You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah youths. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we're breaking down the offensive line and the running backs. Getting you ready for the 2018 season. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. Hey, hey, hey. What does that like Santa Claus? <laughs> howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> howdy, neighbor. So Tonight, said, folks, we've got Santa Claus joining us from the North Pole <laughs> to talk Utah football. So oh, I said, mama. <laughs> I can handle you two sometimes. <laughs> so as I said, to start the show, we will be talking about offensive line and running backs on this episode uh, 105. If you haven't listened to episodes 104 and 103, I don't know why I'm talking in backwards on those, but we do break down the defense. So go ahead and finish this one and then, and then listen to those other two. We'll get you ready for the 2018 season. So the offensive line, Utah's returning four starters from last season, but honestly, this offensive line went through ups and downs. I know I said on the linebacking sh- linebacker show that that was the position I was kind of worried about. I think the offensive line may be the weakest position for Utah. Yeah. I mean, last year, yeah, last year was tough. Uh, went through some growing pains. I mean, you got a young offensive line after putting the year before five guys in the draft. A lot of a lot of new faces, and then then you're putting in a, a first year starting quarterback. So, you know, there's just a lot of inexperience and a new offense and a new offense again. But you know, I think obviously last year going through those growing pains, and as the season went on, Jim Harding was kind of getting getting the the team going. He he was the the unit was coming together and kind of starting to form and. And and play better as the season um, went on, and I, I think you're going to see dividends this year, um, especially from really across the board. Jackson Barton was the first opportunity he really had to be the guy the entire season, even though he's been in the program for a number of years. Um, you know, Lowe is back at center. We're lucky to get him back. Uh, I believe uh, of a fifth year red shirt or not a red shirt medical Medi- hardship. Yep. Um, Agassiva was kind of up and down early and then was injured late in the season. Um, so definitely, obviously, it is a big blow to lose uh, um, Uatafe. But he's really the only guy that we lose um, coming into this season. Darren Paulo played, uh, played well um, throughout the season. So I, I, it's definitely not going to be the strength of the team, but I don't think, I think we're going to see some, some progress from last year. I think we'll see some progress too. You can, for those of us who went to the spring game and kind of followed spring practices, the the O line, at least especially in the spring game, I thought the O line was awful. If if we're referencing anything from that spring game, do not reference the O line play. <laughs> obviously, there's Olay out there. Obviously, a couple of those guys that are returning weren't there due to injury. I think uh, Darren Paulo didn't play. Johnny, Johnny Capra. Capra. Well, and I, I don't even believe low in the red and white game, even though these guys were active and participating in spring ball, most of these guys are held out even in that red and white game. 
Uh, I don't, Jackson Barton didn't play. Um, and uh, I don't even, I don't recall if Agasiva did or not off the top of my head. But, yeah, I mean, you you had a lot of real inexperienced guys and guys that were probably may never really see the field. Yeah, and I think they line. used it as an opportunity to get some of those younger players some reps because they yeah. know who they have coming back. Well, and it's spring ball. That's kind of what yeah, it's used for. Yeah. But uh, but I but I agree with both of you. It's it's definitely not going to be the strong the 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 strong unit of the team. But uh, I think Harding's done a good job year after year. Whether we've had really good talent or average talent of bringing those guys together and and accomplishing what they need to accomplish. And I think that's a, a key point, Ryan. Is is Coach Harding? The assistant head coach on the team. You don't make associate head coach under Kyle Woodingham for nothing. <laughs> well, he he I was mean, the, the what, was it the Bengals that were going after him. I believe so. Yeah, he interviewed, interviewed with the Bengals there. So he he obviously knows what he's doing. Well, no, I mean he's got a, he's got a proven track record. I mean he's what he's done in recruiting. What he's the one good thing we we've talked about this in years past. He's the one good thing that uh, um, Christensen did. In his one year at Utah, was bring Jim Harding <laughs> with him, and uh, I mean, yeah, year after year, he's proven his worth and his ability to to get the job done. You know, I mean, he's got some standout moments where you know Kyle Whittingham told him to fix it or something, <laughs> something, something like that. I don't know what that, that, that was. The, the game that the, there was like <laughs> it was a the, gazillion false starts. Yeah, that that was the Arizona game where. The I I've I've never seen Rice Eccles Stadium quite like that, where the fans were just ready to storm the field with pitchforks. There was so much just this negative energy in that stadium through that first half, where every other play was a false start <laughs> by our O line, and yeah, that's the the famous GIF now on the on the internet of you see Kyle walking by Jim Harding, saying something probably about, fix this. And Jim with a rather colorful response about maybe he should be fired. <laughs> Jim's proven his worth. And, I mean, we're, we're, we'll, as we go through the, the positions here and kind of break down what we expect to see come fall, I think we're, we're going to see definitely some – I definitely think we're going to see some good improvement and really the unit come together as a whole. Because even though, you know, as, as we look across this, there's not a lot of stars. There's not star power on this offensive line. But most of these guys had the opportunity to play together last year and they're going to be back. And being a cohesive unit isn't as important as anything on the offensive line and getting everybody working together. And again, second year in the system which I think, you know, we talk about that in so many other ways, but I think that's huge for the offensive line that they're not needing to learn different calls and and a whole new scheme altogether. So in position we haven't really talked about yet with the offensive line are the tight ends. You know, we're, we're missing my boy Harrison Handsome Hadley <laughs> from last season. And his two catchers. I think he... Tripped over hash marks more than he caught the ball. Everybody in the bowl game <laughs> tripped over hash marks to play the tight end position. Now, the the tight end position has nowhere to go but up this coming season. True, true. But can it? 
Yes. I mean, we didn't really see it at all in the offense last year. I think Jake Jackson has the potential. He's a, he's a downfield threat. And Bapa Falamaka has looked, uh, he looked pretty good in spring. Now, granted, it is spring, um, but uh, he's a big boy with, uh, with good, good speed, good hands. He's going to be an option. I, I think he may end up winning the job. Somebody who we also can't forget about is Cole Fotheringham, who just came off his mission. He was a, well, I guess at this point, three years ago, he was a big-time recruit um, when we got him. And so getting him back, yes, he's off a mission. How quickly can he translate uh, and get back in football shape? I see Um, what you did right there. Came off a mission and translated. He's that good. (laughs) That's a dad joke. Good job. But yeah, I'm excited to see him. And then we've got the Australian Wonder from Down Under in Thomas Yasmin, who granted big body guy, excellent speed for a tight end, 4-4. He just, just one little minor thing has never played the game of football before him. So who knows how that will uh, how that will shake out. But he's another body to throw into the mix and see who rises to the top. There's definitely a lot of options at that tight end position. But it really is going to be through fall camp, who rises to the top, who takes advantage of the opportunity. I, I, I kind of expect that uh, day one against Weber State, you're going to have Papa uh, Falamaka as your starting tight end, is what I would expect. Um, but Cole Fotheringham, I would expect, is going to be heavily in the mix. And then if Yasmin, Bleeth, Thomas... <laughs> Uh, can get up to speed. He's the wild card because I think he's got the he's got the size and he's got the speed to do some great things in this offense if he can catch the ball. So Scott, you've thrown out a, a lot of different names um, on the tight end side. Ryan, you threw out a couple of different offensive line. Why don't we just real quickly kind of go down uh, who we think will be the starter? Um, at each position on the line, uh, just so you know, the listeners out there can can start to un- start learning those names now. There will be a test at the end of the podcast. <laughs> all right, so let's start on the left side at left tackle. I would imagine we're all in agreement that this starting left tackle will be Jackson Barton coming back for his senior year. I agree with you, Ryan. I think Jackson Barton coming his senior year. I, I think he's poised to have a big year. So our left guard, Scott. So left guard, obviously, is is we're going to see some new blood there as uh, Uatafe is no longer in the program. As of right now, you know, I would expect uh, Paul uh, Tuala is going to get an, an opportunity. A young guy, Orlando uh, Umana, that's how uh, you pronounce it. Got to got to figure that one out. But I think left guard is going to be somewhat of a mystery, and and you're going to see some shuffling through fall camp uh, for some guys. You know, whether Johnny Capra, where he fits into this, if he's strictly going to be a tackle or if he can slide into a a guard position, um, yet to be seen. And then at center, I think we all can all agree it's going to be Lofakamakamaka. There you go. I think it's really important for him to uh, to stay healthy because that center quarterback relationship, it's really big. It's key. 
And so I think Lowe is really, I think as the offensive line moves forward, I think a lot of it's going to depend on Lowe and if he can stay healthy this season. Yeah. And if not, I think, I think you could potentially see uh, Paul um, slide over into that center position. He has played a little bit in the past. Um, but we really, we really should have Jim Harding on and so we can get some straight answers on this O line. <laughs> yeah. What work on that producer boy? All right, let's kind of finish this up now. Uh, right guard, Ryan? I think uh, Agasiva is the favorite. Um, he, he did, as, K- as Scott mentioned early on in the podcast, he kind of had an up and down season. Um, but he, he kinda... Coming over on the Juco ranks. But, I mean, t- typically any Juco guy that comes over, regardless of the position, you don't see, outside of Kalen Clay, they typically just don't come out of the gates all primed and ready to go. It is. It's still a jump, even though it is technically high, it's yeah, it's higher than high school football. But it's still a pretty big jump going uh, from there. But as the season went on, he he started to play better, um, you know. And Alani Havili Katoa, who was a defensive lineman through most of his career at Utah, slid over and and uh, and started, I believe, one maybe even two games last year at the, at the right guard position. So. He'll be in the mix, but yeah, I I would agree with Ryan. Agassiva's probably uh, penciled in right now as uh, as the starter at right guard. And then Scott finished us off on right tackle. Darren Paulo's uh, gonna have the right tackle position locked down. Um, he'll he'll be the starter, you know, unless something unforeseen happens. Um, but coming into his junior year, had a good sophomore campaign, getting uh, getting uh, uh, full reps uh, um, last year. The guy who I'm excited to see and we've heard a lot about is Nick Ford, who uh, was a redshirt uh, freshman last year. From all accounts and things that uh, that we heard was that uh, he he was playing up to par to get reps last season, but the the coaching staff really did not want to waste this, the, his redshirt, so they kept him on redshirt and uh, um, withstood the temptation of pulling him off of it, but. I think he he's got an option to or an opportunity to probably to push uh, Darren Paulo or potentially maybe even slide into one of these guard positions if if those guys aren't getting it done at either of the guard spots. But he's probably the guy who come fall camp. I'm most interested in in watching him throughout fall camp is to see if he's the real deal and uh, and maybe can su- surprise some people because as as young as he is. He's uh, he's grabbed a lot of a lot of headlines and gotten a lot of attention. So he could be that guy that could potentially be that future star on the O line. So there you go for our predictions for the starters for the season. Uh, as we no, go, go easy on us. <laughs> as we go into the running backs, I uh, let you know that we're brought to you by Farmers Insurance for protecting your home, vehicle, and family. Look to Farmers Insurance. Call Scott Omer at eight zero one. Three zero seven four zero four six. So the offensive line, they've got to open holes for the running backs. Utah's coming into the season with a lot of ammunition in the running back. Zach Moss, Amarn Shine, Devonta Henry Cole, TJ Green. I'm ecstatic for this for the depth of the running back. Yeah, I mean the the running back position. The running back position is loaded, absolutely loaded. And uh, 
I'd be curious to get your guys' take on how it's going to look this year. Are we going to be running back committee, or is it Moss's job and everybody else is fighting for scraps? I personally hope it's Moss's job. Uh, I think he, I think he really figured figured out the system and kind of figured out where what he needed to do to be ready every game towards the the latter half of last year. I mean he he was money at the end of the season. Bowling bowling guys over, picking up extra yards, breaking tackles. I mean, I to me, he's the guy. I know a couple of years ago we were all pretty high on Shine till he got hurt, but we haven't seen him in a couple of years, and I, I don't know what uh, what to expect out of that. And if they're both outstanding, great. If one goes down, there's another one there, but. Uh, in my personal opinion, it's it's got to be Moss. I think it's going to be a lot of committee. Do you? Uh, this is something I've talked about, or I've I've actually talked to Coach McDonald twice um, about this kind of his oh, philosophy. Name dropper. <laughs> what does he know? <laughs> Zach Moss is going to be the guy. He's coming off a thousand yard season, but I really think and and Coach McDonald said this is to play Division One football to play with the elite teams. You kind of have to have a great supporting cast. And I think with Shine and, and Henry Cole and, and possibly, you know, a redshirt freshman and TJ Green, you you can have that. The thing that kind of makes me nervous about Shine, uh, he did miss all of last season. Two, last two seasons. Well, I, I shouldn't say it's not a full two seasons because he played a number of games mm-hmm. two years ago. Uh, yeah, he, play, he played five games in 2016. Um, and then suffered an injury in fall camp, so he's out all of 17. I think the thing that's hurting him right now is learning the offense. Yes, he was able to study it, uh, learn the playbook, but I think it's different sitting in a classroom setting using the playbook and actually going on the field and executing that playbook. So it'll be really interesting to see um, how Shine um, bounces back this year, You know, missing a year and a half of football. And then Devonta Henry Cole, he showed some promise. I mean, he's he's he did pretty well in, in the limited reps that he got last year. I mean, uh, let's not forget Moss did not come out of the gates all that well. Uh, we were we were pretty hard on him. We to were start ready. The season. I I personally was ready to put Devonta Cole in the starting lineup last early last season because Moss just was not getting it done. And then something clicked where I mean, he, he early on. He couldn't break a tackle. It didn't seem like he was running all that aggressive. And then something happened about game four or five, and he was a beast the rest of the, the way. Ended up um, finishing the season with uh, the fourth most broken tackles by a running back in the country and uh, was just possessed there at the end of that season. So with what he did last year, he's earned all the reps, you know, as far as I'm concerned, yes, will we probably see still see somewhat uh, of a committee type approach? But I think Moss is probably going to get 70% of the carries, assuming Tyler Huntley will give him the ball. And um, <laughs> that is a big key for him. And, uh, you know, there's no there's no guarantee that Shine's the number two. Henry Cole could be the number two, and Shine may be bringing it up the rear. And uh, TJ Green. 
I, I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of TJ Green in the normal set position. I think you're going to see him out of the backfield a lot, utilize his speed um, in running routes and uh, um, utilizing his ability that way. I would, I would suspect TJ Green is utilized similar to how uh, McCormick was last year. Um, utilize his speed, get him on the corners, get him on the edges, and, uh, and, and use him in the passing game and in the screen game. But yeah, it's Moss's job, and uh, assuming he can stay healthy and continue to run the ball 20-plus times a game, um, he could put up a big year, and if he does, he's gone. You think so? You think that he can elevate his game when he did last year? Yeah, I he's got the ability. If he can stay healthy, he's gonna get the reps. And we we joke about whether yeah Huntley will give him the ball. I think I think it's gonna be pretty pretty clear to Tyler Huntley give him the ball, and uh, and maybe even take some of the the opportunities where Huntley's making that decision to keep it or to to give it to Moss. Some of those may be even taken away. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, Moss, it's his job, and I would expect he's kind of running the show. This discussion is mostly around running backs. And since you brought up Huntley, um, and I I agree that Huntley needs to give Moss or whoever the running back is uh, more carries than than last year. But at the same time, you can't take away – that ability that Huntley has because it's something it's it's part of his game and he's he's not going to stop running I think he needs to limit how much he runs but that that's kind of who he is and that adds to you almost sometimes consider him another running back I mean he is he's a running quarterback he he is and yeah you're not going to completely remove that from him but but I think a year more under his belt you know he's got some competition behind him. I mean, granted, he did last year as well with uh, with Troy Williams behind him. But if if Huntley, he, I think he learned a pretty valuable lesson last year. You can't run it that much at this level and expect to start twelve games. You're not going to make it. He, he's not that big of a quarterback. And if if he continues to run the ball twelve, fifteen times a game, he's he's going to potentially lose his spot. Because he's going to be in a cast, or he's going to be dinged up somewhere on the sideline, and 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 I think he's probably learned that lesson that he's got to pick his moments. Yes, utilize his ability, his speed, and it's in him. He's going to he's going to take advantage when it's there. But I but I think if he, he will limit that um, a little bit, especially with the amount of weapons that he has um, around him. He does not need to be the guy on every possession. He's just got to utilize the guys around him. And you're probably you're probably right. I think uh, coming from as young as he is, he still has that mentality probably of of high school where he was the guy. He was a big chunk of the offense, the production, and he had the ability and the speed to probably break tackles and break ankles almost at will and then when you step into the pack 12 it's not quite the same you've you've got to you've got to learn when to take those chances and when to give it to your running back and know when to hold them know when to fold them 
Well, Ryan, I think that's a great point. I mean, with the with the talent that's at the running back position, especially with Zach Moss, you got to feed him. You got to feed the beast. And, you know, I hope that, and I think Zach Moss has the potential to have another great season where he's going to have over 1,000 yards. Uh, he'll have 1,000 yards by week seven. Ooh, bring it. I'll tell you what, last year, Troy Taylor, it was a learning year for him, too, just as mm-hmm. it was for Huntley. He's got to figure some things out. I think I, I actually think he's going to rely more on the running game this year than he did last year. And uh, I'm not saying we're just going to ground and pound the whole time, but I would suspect he is going to utilize Moss and and then pick his moments to throw from there. And, and really, between Moss, between Huntley... Um, I mean, with what we have at the running back position, I think you're going to see a lot of offense on the ground. All righty, so that will do it for this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? Yeah, you can find me at Uteman Forever. <laughs> you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. Again, you know, if you haven't listened to and you haven't listened to the previous breakdown of positions on the defensive... Ugh, that sounded dumb. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes where we break down the defense, go back. You can listen to it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, at our home, utahmanpodcast.com. And we have Brian Brown from Ute Zone um, jumping in and breaking down the defensive line with us in episode 103. On the next episode, we'll be doing quarterbacks and wide receivers, so make sure you're subscribed so you can catch those. Until next time, go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. Kai-yai. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. Yasmin Bleeth. Oh, she was cute. <laughs> she was in, she was. Baywatch. Back in the heyday. Okay. So we got Brant Keithy. We're relying on Cameron. Oh, my this. God. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's, that's like going to a blind man convention and asking where the exit is. I think we're probably all in agreement that it's going to be Barton Jackson. Jackson Barton. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah, I'm, I guess his cousin <laughs> has a chance to get a job. <laughs> He's only 5'4", 180, though. What? Barton Jackson's only 5'4", 180. <laughs>